Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to The Connection, a weekly radio program where we share our experiences and expertise with stories of caring, courage, and change right here in Connecticut. Listen to learn about needed resources to improve your well-being and transform your life. Now, here are the hosts of The Connection, Lisa DeMattis-Lapore and Ann Baldwin. And hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of The Connection. I'm Ann Baldwin, President and CEO of Baldwin Media and one of your co-hosts. And I am Lisa DeMattis-Lapore, CEO of From The Connection, and I am one of your co-hosts. So I'm so excited. We've got a great guest on the program today, Brandon Lee. And Brandon, welcome to the program. And welcome, Brandon. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. And welcome to the world of recovery. So let's tell, tell our listeners a little bit about, you've got Connecticut roots, but now you're in Venice Beach. Dan. I know. I know. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about what happened, Brandon. Yeah, God. So I was um, I worked at NBC Thirty Connecticut News. God, that was back in two thousand four, two thousand five, two thousand six. Um, and God, I was definitely in my drug addiction back then. It wasn't towards the very end of it because I ended up getting sober in two thousand ten, and I left to go to Boston um, from Hartford in about two thousand seven. And when I was in Connecticut. I just was. I was definitely in my active drug addiction, and I wasn't a big drinker, so drugs were my choice. And at the time, my drug of choice was something called GHB. Uh, it's also known as the liquid roofies or the date rape drug. It's just a liquid that you'd pour into a drink, and, and you'd get really messed up. And so that was like my drug of choice while I was living in Connecticut. And, you know, like so many good addicts, right, so many good addicts, I was able to maintain a professional life while also maintaining a good drug life and was really able to prop up both lives for so many years um, because I could at that time and was just a master of manipulation, right? I could, I could make my friends think that I was super successful or I could have viewers think that I was super successful. They had no idea what really happened when we signed off the air that night because when we got off on the air, when work was done, that is truly like when my real play began. And I kept it hidden from my friends and my family and coworkers. No one, no one ever had a clue. Wow. So what, what did you do with that? How did you seek help or did you go to a rehab? Yeah, what, what precipitated? Yeah, so how did it come crashing down? Yeah. Well, yeah. first off, like this is so typical. Like we always laugh at our war stories because if you can't laugh at it now, like, then life would just be tragic. (laughs) Right. Like, one of the stories I always share, and it goes back to the story in my time in Connecticut, I was given this opportunity to anchor, and that's all I, like, I always was begging for a chance to anchor, and I was going to be anchoring with Janet Peckinpah uh, that night on the 5 o'clock news. It's kind of an old Connecticut news name. Um, And I remember we were five minutes from, (laughs) five minutes from going on the air, and I needed Visine. And so I grabbed Visine out, um, out of my briefcase at the desk, 
and I put drops in my eyes, and all of a sudden, I screamed. I mean, I screamed in pain. It was like acid eating away my eyes. What I didn't, what I did not remember was that that's how I hid my GHB. <gasps> I hid my GHB in Visine bottles so that if I oh, went to a no. bar or went to an airport, it wouldn't get detected. But usually, like. I would mark the bottle with like a black marker so I would know, and I didn't to this one. And I literally poured GHB into my eyes five minutes before we went on the air. I ran off the set. <laughs> I ran off the set, ran to the bathroom, and the, the technicians, the technical guys at work, they ran and got their, you know, they were flushing out my eyes. My suit is soaked in all that washer fluid. They rushed me to the hospital, and they put the acid, these acid strips in my eyes. And that was for the first time I was honest. Like, the doctor goes, what happened? And this was the first time in my life that I was brutally honest. Why? Because I was vain. I didn't want to lose my eyesight. <laughs> right. So I told the doctor, I'm like, listen, doctor, nobody knows this, but I had GHB in the Visine bottle. GHB is a drug. And the doctor's face, I still remember it. He was, like, trying to compute, like, is this real? Is this guy, is this news guy, like, really telling me that he just put the date rape drug into his eye and it's acid and it was burning it. So he did a test oh drip my and God. Sure it was like acid. Thank God they saved my eyes. But that was my time in Connecticut. I went on to Boston and was definitely drugging in Boston. It was getting bad. And then I moved back home to LA when I was working at KTLA and that's when it got really bad. And I'd stayed away from drugs like meth and crack and heroin because I had friends and I saw what it did to their lives and I was like, well, I don't want to be that messy. So I never did those things. But when I was at KTLA, I would get high in the parking lot after work, knowing that the drug would take about 10 minutes or so to kick in. And so we'd get off the air, I'd go to the parking lot, and I would do my GHB. And that gave me about 10 minutes to drive to these like brothels, because I was dealing with sex addiction at the same time. And so the moment I got high on drugs, it would fuel my sex addiction. And so I would go to these really seedy brothels in L.A., and I was driving there at like 11 o'clock at night, and I woke up at 4.30 in the morning on the 110 freeway underneath an overpass in Hollywood. I was in my truck. My truck was in the emergency lane. The hazard lights were on, and my driver's seat was fully reclined. And I woke up at 4.30, and I'm like, how the heck, what happened? You know, it was a total blackout because GHB would black you out. You don't remember, but I look back now and I'm like, okay, that was, that was my higher power like that. And I didn't have spirituality. I was anti-God, anti-spirituality, anti-everything. Like I had a real anger and resentment toward my faith. And so um, eventually I look back at that time, I'm like, okay, my higher power was protecting me and saving me from hurting somebody else and also killing myself. <clears throat> and then a week later, I was at a brothel and I overdosed on drugs. I did meth for the first time. And some guy handed me a meth pipe, and I did it. I eventually overdosed, and I went to the hospital, Hollywood Presbyterian. And I had fallen down at this brothel, and I cracked my head open. And I was in a coma for about three days, um, came out of the coma, and was, like, confused as to why I was in the hospital. The neurosurgeon came down and goes, like, listen, you've had an accident. We have to do brain surgery tonight. There's bleeding in your brain. And... <laughs> this is such an addict. I looked at the doctor, the neurosurgeon, and I said, doctor, I said, can you understand me? And he goes, yeah. I said, perfect, because I, 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 I know what's happening. I need to leave. And he's like, you cannot leave. 
And I said, no, I have to be at work tonight. <laughs> He's like, you're not going to work. You're bleeding in your brain like you could die if this clot. And I said, doctor, I'm leaving and you cannot keep me here. And I said, so just have the nurse bring me my clothes. And the nurse looks at me and the nurse goes, you didn't come here with any clothes. <gasps> oh, my God. And I was like, oh, man. And so I said, well, I'm leaving anyway. And so I got up in the hospital robe. You know with those little socks with the little oh, yeah. things on the bottom? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so here I am, <laughs> signed myself out against medical advice, which, by the way, I still have that form. Signed myself out against medical advice, sort of walking down Sunset Boulevard back to my car. And um, got inside my truck and immediately opened up the glove compartment, got out my crack pipe, <clears throat> and I started smoking crack. The next thing I know, I don't remember anything besides smoking, lighting up that pipe. And the next thing I know is I woke up four days later in a coma at the same hospital in the same ER. And at that time, I woke. I finally woke up and I took this gasp of breath. And I will never forget, there was this beautiful Indian um, woman doctor. And she was the head ER doctor at the time. And I, that was the first face I saw when I came out of my coma. And I remember it. And she took a big sigh of relief. She looked up toward the ceiling and she just said, thank you, God, for saving this one. Wow. wow. I was in a hospital room by myself. I was sobbing and crying. And this, this little black nurse woman, she was so kind and so sweet. And she came over, she grabbed my hand, and she goes, do you believe in God? And I said, no. And she goes, that's okay, because God still believes in you. And she handed me a pamphlet, and it was just a list of AA meetings. And she goes, and she circled one of them, and she goes, this is my church. And she goes, they have an AA meeting there tonight, and when you get released, I really urge you to go. And so I went that night, and I went to that AA meeting, and I walked in, and there was guys holding like this fishbowl. And I'm like, what is that? And it's raffle tickets. And I immediately did a 180. I was like, heck no, I ain't doing this. I walked out, and these two guys ran after me. And they said, yo, 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 man, come back, come back, come back. What's your name? And I said, Brandon. And they said, what are you here? And I said, I don't know, man. I think I'm in the wrong place. Like, a nurse sent me here. And they're like, oh, no, 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 you're absolutely in the right place. Here, take a ticket number and just go sit down. And I did. And I, at that meeting, was my first AA meeting, and there was this guy, he was a speaker, it was a speaker meeting, and this guy was sharing his story, and I was like, wow, I was like, See, this guy's kind of sharing some of my story. I'm like, whoa, what's happening? He ended up, he stopped, and there was five minutes left, and the, the leader of the meeting said, okay, well, we're going to choose one raffle ticket, and that person's going to share. And they start reading off the numbers, and the dude sitting next to me looks over and goes, buddy, they just called your number. And I was like, I ain't going up there. And he goes... Yeah, you are. I said, no, I'm not. He raised his hand and said, hey, man, you just chose this guy's number. I walk up to the front of this room. I can't even say what I said because this is a radio show. I just said, hi, my name is Brandon, and I'm really yep. messed up, mm -hmm. and I'm going to die, and I don't want to die. And I just started sobbing. And these guys came up to me and they said, what are you doing tomorrow at 7 a.m.? I said, I don't know. And they go, perfect, we're going to pick you up. You're going to go play softball. You look like an athletic guy. So I played softball the next morning at 7 a.m., which turned into a new meeting that day, which turned into a 7 a.m. meeting, you know, the next day. I didn't know what these guys were doing, but they were showing me how they stay sober. I didn't realize that because they never preached anything to me. But these guys looked like me. They had tattoos. They were athletic, and they were laughing, and they were smiling. And I'm like these guys are all sober and they look like they're having a good time. 
And so over time, I just stuck with him. I never went to treatment. I never went to rehab. I never went to counseling. I just went to my first AA meeting. So I just celebrated nine years. Wow. Uh, Congratulations. February 22nd, 2010. So here you are, this good-looking, well-dressed, you know, physically fit <laughs> news anchor. Um, debatable. Well, I don't know. People need to go to your website. How can people reach you? Because you have your own podcast. You said you've just I written do. a book. I do. And, man, I'm telling you, I have to tell, tell you, it's, I went into it with zero expectations. I just wanted to do it really for me and to try and help as many people as I could. Right. And um, anyway, my podcast, uh, it's called Escaping Rock Bottom. It's on iTunes. It's on Spotify. Oh, wow. It's on my website, escapingrockbottom.com, YouTube channel. And it's a podcast that's all about people's story uh, and their struggles of addiction. But these are all people who have at least two years sober they're sharing their struggles, but they also have stories of inspiration and hope. I got an email two weeks ago from this woman, Tanya Brown. I don't know a Tanya Brown. She goes, listen, I just watched your podcast because I saw it on a Facebook feed. And she goes, I'm going to explain who I am. She goes, I'm the younger sister of Nicole Brown Simpson. Wow. And when OJ murdered my sister, it sent me spiraling into a deep depression and food addiction. She goes, it's something I've never spoken about. And I've seen your podcast and I want to share my story with you. It just goes to show that there are stories out there that need to be told, you know, and there's people out there who you would never assume struggle with addiction. And my whole purpose with the podcast is let's talk about it. Let's end this stigma. I'm a news anchor. You tune into me every night. You think I have a perfect life. That's what made me go public. And is that these viewers were emailing me saying, God, I wish I had your life. And that ate at my soul because I'm like, these people have a false impression of who I am. Yep. And I'm like, no, you don't wish you had my life. Mm -hmm. You wish you had maybe what I built for myself now, but you have no idea what I went through. And that hurt me. And I'm like, no, you need to know what I've gone through. And I said, because I know all of you at home have struggled, and you need to know that I've struggled too, and I don't have a perfect life. Let me ask you this, Brandon. That's really what motivated it. That's that's amazing. So you were at KTLA. I think that's still the number one news market, right? In the country? It is. So well, L.A. is the number two news market. New York's number one, but okay. KTLA is the number one station in Los Angeles. So did they know that you had drug issues, or what happened to that career? No, they didn't. I was able to keep it from them, and I'm sure some of them are going to be very shocked, um, you know, when they read the book, when it comes out. Um, and But, you know, the crazy thing, Ann, is that the, you know, I was filling in. I was a reporter, but then I, they were having me anchor on the weekend mornings. And, you know, what just happened with their weekend morning anchor was all over the news that he died um, in December from a drug right. overdose with crystal meth and GHB. Yeah. Chris Burroughs. Yeah. Is it hard to, how did you obtain the GHB? Yeah. So, so okay. So it was really easy. It was called alloycleaner.com. It's not, a, it's non-existent anymore. So I'm not giving any like druggies, any oh, good. information to go out and get a drug. So the website's been shut down. It's all been shut down. But back then, it was totally legal to buy from Europe. So I used to go online and buy it from the U.K. Um, and it was this company that had a fake facade called AlloyCleaner.com, and I used to order it by the gallon. Oh, my God. That's unbelievable. Oh, my God. So did you decide to put your TV career aside and do this full-time, or what do you what do you? I know. This is, okay, so this is the crazy thing, and I'm totally opening, and I'm totally now open to share it, but I left my job in Arizona, and I loved I love the people I worked with, and I love my general manager. I still speak to my general manager um, in Arizona all the time. I, um, 
I did have a job offer. I got a job offer to be the main anchor here in Los Angeles um, at a CBS affiliate. And we were in the middle of contract negotiations. I'd auditioned twice. I was going to, you know, eventually sit next to Pat Harvey and be, be here at CBS, too, in L.A. And this is coming home for me. This would have been my dream job, right? Anchoring in your hometown that you grew up in, in Los Angeles. And so I left, and I moved here to L.A. And I was going to my agent's office, and my agent told me, he goes, well, pack your bags because you're moving home to L.A., buddy. And so I did. And I came here, and a network executive in New York City, uh, found out that I was writing a book about addiction. I was, you know, doing a podcast and doing motivational speaking because that's what I do. I spend my time doing motivational speaking to help inspire others get sober. And he called the L.A. station and told them that they could not hire me. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. And so I was devastated. I was hurt. But I look back, and this is my response. If you see that somebody who's a recovering addict, nine years clean, I'm not in my active addiction. Are you kidding me? I'm going on nearly a decade. The sole purpose of my life, this is what threw them. They were upset that a media blogger quoted me, and I was quoting an article saying, my, my soul's purpose here on earth is not just to read a teleprompter. My soul's purpose is to help other people. And that right there is what got me that job taken away from me. They said, no, we need somebody who's fully dedicated just to us. Oh, my gosh. And I, wow. this is how I've now come to see it. You know what? CBS, you don't deserve me. If you can't accept where I've been in my past and who I am now and where I am going in the future, you don't deserve me at my best. If you can't accept what I did in my past. And I said, but this should really be seen as a strength, not a weakness. Absolutely. This is part of the stigma oh, yep. that still exists in our society that right. I am hellbent. I am hellbent, even if that makes me blacklisted from every news organization, I do not care anymore. Because my whole purpose now is ending the stigma. Because recovering addicts who have a lot of time in sobriety, these are absolutely the people you want on your staff. Because at our worst, we are liars, we are cheaters, and we are thieves, and we are manipulators. At our best, we use our defects of character and we use it for good. True. So we are honest people. We don't lie because I don't want to have to say I'm sorry. I don't want to have to call you to make an amends. So I'm going to do everything in my power to treat you as good as possible and to be as honest with you as possible. That recovering addicts are a strength. And here's my thing, Annie, and you all understand this because you're in news. And this is what I told them. I said, you know what the problem is? You want to know why every CBS O&O across this country is in dead last place? It's because they're still hiring people on a formula that worked in the 80s and 90s. They want you to be on social media, but they want you to pretend that you have a perfect life. Yes. And here's my answer to that. And if one day I ever run a news station, I'm going to encourage my anchors to open up about some of their battles and some of their struggles. And because you know what? I'm a recovering addict and I struggle with addiction, but you know how many other people have loved ones still struggling from addiction? It makes you more endearing and makes you more authentic and makes you connect well when people know because there's no viewer at home or there's no radio listener that's listening to you every Sunday that has a perfect life. No one has a perfect Viewers life. and listeners do not connect to perfection. They connect to people who, can, who they can relate to who have struggled and walked in their shoes. Well, you know what? It's interesting that you say that, Brandon. And, and Lisa and I talk about, you talked about the stereotypes. You, you're, you're so 
spot on about that. But, you know, the other component is, you know, I always was nervous because I was a public figure here in Connecticut. I was the news anchor at the NBC affiliate for a long, long time. And I really questioned once I got into recovery and once I got sober whether or not I wanted to go public with my recovery. Right. And, you know, someone told me, someone else in recovery said, wait a while, give it some time. Yeah. And I did. I gave it two years, and then I went public with it, and, and I'm so glad I did. And I've got nothing but positive feedback, and people have embraced me. I have helped other people. And, you know, there's people just like us out there dealing with something. Nobody's right. life is freaking perfect. And That's if you, right. if you yep. think it is, you're fooling somebody. No, no, one, no one's. I mean, if... And, you know, I, it just, it's similar, but obviously different, but it still talks about, you know, people's image of, you know, um, if you wear a uniform or if you're, you know, have a certain job or, you know, you stand for something that, you know, Miss America pageant, oh, you know, you can't have a tattoo, you can't have this, you have to be this per. <laughs> the whole yep. thing is just so outrageous. And we never, you know, do we look at people's character? Do we look at the way people treat other people? Do we look, how about the way people give back to others and their value in the world? To me, that speaks a thousand more times than, you know what, all this other stuff that people focus on. And you are such an amazing example of such a success story and you have, I'm really inspired. I'm Brandon. I can't wait to read your book. I know. So we're talking with Brandon Lee all the way from Venice, California. And if you get a chance, folks, you know, check out his podcast. It's Escaping Rock Bottom. All you got to do is a Google search for that. As he mentioned, he's got some, you know, high high profile people on there, regular people telling their stories of what happened, but more importantly, stories of inspiration and hope, because that's what those of us that are, you know, recovering addicts need, right? We need to know that there is hope and, uh, and it's a tough road to follow. It really is. It's a tough road to hope because it's not easy. And Brandon, I just so admire you. When I saw your podcast and I was searching for resources and there you were, and I'm like, Hey, I know that guy. That's amazing. <laughs> so, and I've got to ask you a question. I want to be on your podcast too, man. Oh, this is definitely going to happen. And you know what? You know what we're going to do? What? Um, I'm actually going to go on a road trip, and I'm going to take the podcast on tour. So it'll be a book tour, but I'm going to drive around the country. I'm going to hit all these media markets that I used to work in. Fantastic. Um, and so I'll be in Hartford, Connecticut, eventually, and I'm going to bring my podcast on the road, and it's going to, we're going to travel across this country as I promote the book and promote addiction and recovery. We're going to tell real people's stories across this country to show the world that we really have an epidemic of the opioid crisis in this country, and it's just going to be traveling the world to see how much really connects us as a country through something so dark. Um, but when I get to Hartford, Connecticut, I will absolutely have on my podcast equipment. We will shoot an amazing episode together Great. and be able to really introduce you to all of my watchers. And That's fantastic. Too. And listen, man, I do I do public relations, so I'll help book your 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 stuff if you want. <laughs> I might be in connection with you if you want some good service because work. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I'll do some yeah. service work. And we've also got a radio studio here right in New Britain. And, uh, you know, maybe we can even have you speak with some folks at The Connection. Lisa would love that. I would love that. So, I mean, there's just, we're going to put you to work and we're going we're gonna to have some fun while you're here, Brandon. So we'll look forward to that. Keep us posted. And we'd like to have you back on this show, too. Defin- uh, we definitely would. I will. Yes. Thank you so much, you guys. I love what you guys are doing. And I love that you guys are getting the, the message out there. And I appreciate both of you. Well, continue. Well, Thank success you. to you, my friend, and we'll stay in touch, all right? All right, much love back your way in Connecticut. Stay warm. All right, thanks, thanks man. Oh, how wonderful is that? It's just so great to, and I never knew. 
I never knew. I mean, I saw Brandon on television. People just don't know. But you don't know what you don't know. That's such an inspiration. And I story. love it that the 12-step program is what got him back on track, folks. And if you're listening, you know, sometimes that's all it takes is to walk into a room and to see how you will be embraced. And he says he hasn't looked back from there. So, that's I mean... What a phenomenal it story. Is. So, again, if you're uh, looking for more information on Brandon Lee, who was our guest today, um, just Google Escaping Rock Bottom. He's working on a book. That's going to be coming up next. And also, for more information on The Connection and their services, we invite you to go to theconnectioninc.org. That's all one word, theconnectioninc.org. What a great show. It's fantastic. Thank you, all. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in every Sunday for our show. We hope you enjoyed this edition. Absolutely, and we'll see you back here same time, same place on WTIC News Talk 